1: Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me this Monday evening via ZenCaster is my friend Michael Liebough. And Mike, uh, how was your uh, Christmas
0: break? It was uh, it was wrought with uh, Islanders anxiety. I guess it's, it's, <laughs> it was good, but it was uh, at the same time I was you know the Islanders were were scaring me, and uh, I think if if the if they didn't you know come back last night, this would be a very uh, different different episode, much more. Like the ones pre pre Barry Trots and less like the ones that have been uh, gracing the podcast network since since he took over.
1: Yeah, no, that's for sure. Uh, they played a bunch of games and we talked about a couple of games the week before. Uh, wasn't wasn't any blowouts or craziness like a six five shootout loss uh, or anything like that. But they did play a couple. Of, they played three games since the last time we talked. Three of them, two of them were losses. One was a win. And they all had kind of a similar feel in that, you know, they didn't play too poorly in the losses, uh, but they ended up coming out on the losing side. And then the win was uh, actually a very refreshing uh, Islanders style win. They really looked like themselves for the first time in a long time. And it was nice. It was exactly what you wanted to see, uh, you know, coming out of that kind of uh, weird stretch. Um, I should probably say up front, by the way, that um, the – the Islanders do play a game on Tuesday afternoon at one o'clock. So that's new year's Eve, one o'clock they're in Washington to place the capitals. We're recording this Monday night. I'm going to put it up, you know, probably, you know, as soon as we're done. So you might be listening to this before the game. You might be listening to it after game. We're not going to really talk that much about it. Uh, but I just, you know, I think it goes about saying that a, a win there would be huge. Um, you know, a loss, probably not the end of the world, but man, if they could actually pull some points out of that game against the caps and, and really head into the new year on a really good note, I think that would be huge psychologically uh, for the players and for us because uh, it was pretty dicey. Yeah, I think so. I
0: think uh, the way the schedule kind of has revealed itself like this, or it's just it's a good thing. I think that they're playing the Capitals Tuesday rather than maybe like three or four days ago or right before the break, uh, because it's like you said, this is a huge game, and uh, they they have some hopefully get some of that mojo back after. What was a return to identity game, I guess, last night against the Wild?
1: Uh, yeah. So, uh, well, let's, let's just start there uh, instead of going back in time first. We'll, we'll start. So they, they did beat the Wild 3-1 in St. Paul. Uh, not a place the Islanders, I don't know, if for, what, for whatever reason, I, it's probably like five years ago now, but whenever I think of the Islanders playing in Minnesota, I think of that game where Halak got pulled and he just got shelled and it was just a bad, bad, awful game. And I, I think it was after that. That they put him on waivers. Am I, am I wrong? It, it is makes that, sense. Is that yeah. what
0: happened? Um, like, I, I like, I feel like that was. I was the thinking game. about this while I was watching that. I, yeah. I don't really have any Islander memories with the Wilds. All I remember is I feel like Jared Spurgeon always scores against the team that drafts him, uh, drafted him. But uh, yeah, I really, I don't, I just can't really picture picture an Islander Wild game.
1: All I was thinking of is, you know, for the people that complain that the Islanders are too boring, uh, the Wild have been boring for their entire existence. So leave the Islanders alone, please. Thank you very much. Uh, but uh yeah, it was um it was a return to form game, like you said. They uh they looked like themselves. Uh it was old-fashioned Trotzian Islanders hockey. The Wild did score first. Um it was like a bounce off of Ryan Donato's chest, basically. But for the most part, the the uh the first period was even the Islanders were kind of the better team in the second, I think, uh, but there was no score. But it was one of those games where like they never it never really got out of hand. Like you didn't think that the Islanders weren't going to at least tie the game or maybe come back and win it because it was very, very close. And and I don't remember the Wild even having that many sort of high danger chances. They had shots. They had a couple of power plays, but nothing really super threatening feeling anyway. And then the third period, the Islanders exploded. They had three goals. Uh, Ryan Pullock had a shot that snuck through and got through Devin Dubnik. It was originally Barzell's goal, but then they gave it to Pullick. Uh, Then, I mean, Leo Komarov and Matt Martin hooked up for one of the prettiest goals you'll see <laughs> in this season uh, from two guys that don't score goals like that. It was, Leo was falling. He sent this perfect pass across the crease. Martin was there to tap it in. It was awesome. And I audibly, like, you know, yelled, and my daughter scared hell you know, I scared the heck out of her because I was like, "Oh my God, you guys see this goal? This is crazy." Um, but that was that was a lot of fun. And then uh, a couple of minutes later, Tom Kuhakel scores off a off a face off, and uh, before you know it, it's three one Islanders, and that was how it ended. And it was like, yes, this is the team I remember. <laughs> this is this is the good stuff right here. Uh, was it exciting? No, but it was effective, and the Islanders played their game, and they walked out of Minnesota with two points that they really need because there's a lot of teams kind of right up in their back right now. And you know, like you said. A win like that, yeah. they get a win there and we're having a very different conversation than we would had they lost and it would have been like four straight losses and the world would have been falling apart.
0: I actually I, – watching that – I was watching that game on my phone a little bit because I was up in uh, Cape Cod visiting my um, fiancé's dad and uh, when, when they scored that goal, I, I kind of lost myself because um, it, it was – I was just in a room. They were kind of watching football and I was like, whoa, and – they're like, what? What? What are you doing? And uh, but the the thing that when I watched again, the pass by Nick Letty out of the zone to bank that to Kamarov was almost just as impressive. Obviously, he was on his feet, so it might not be. And and considering Nick is much more skilled than Uncle Leo, I, it's it's it doesn't it doesn't it's not as pound for pound as impressive as the pass that Kamarov made. But um, that pass was just unbelievable from Letty. Just to have like you know I knew exactly how to angle it off the boards and. Uh, where to put it for, for Kamarov. But yeah, the, uh, like, like we were saying that the, it's, it was a big, big relief. It was the type of win that I, I was, when they were down one, nothing after the second, I was just imagining all the people, uh, you know, oh, here comes, you know, we, here comes the regression we've been calling for. I was imagining the athletic articles uh, that they they run now. I think they run 16 (laughs) different mailbags from, from different Toronto-based writers, and I'm sure that they would all be uh, happy to feel questions about feeling good about the Islanders regressing and, and all that stuff. But uh, the uh, yeah, that the tone of the tone of uh, the whole, I don't want to say season, but the the whole stretch kind of changed changes then just with uh, with those goals. And uh, I thought the the top line didn't, they uh, they didn't really score. It didn't, I think what Barzell had a point, but but I thought they were really good, and then. It was that the bottom the bottom six guys that trots for the past two weeks has been like, you know, I don't want to keep saying it, but those guys got to score at some point. Like someone has to, and uh, they got a goal mm-hmm. from Matt Martin and Tom Kunockel, who I think that was Kunackle's first goal. I know he missed a lot of time, but and then Martin's first goal since uh, before he got hurt, which is in October. So uh, that was sorely sorely needed. Uh, it does it doesn't solve any personnel problems, but just you know helps you breathe a little bit easier especially uh considering the the month that's about to, to to come with this the way the schedule is unfolding
1: yeah they have a really crazy month coming up that we'll talk about a little bit later but uh yeah it, you know when i saw the lineup and I, I think when a lot of other people saw the lineup and it was a very weird lineup jordan eberle started on the third line with like ross johnson and josh bailey and and kuhn was up playing with barzell um you know and it was just uh the fourth line i think was Suzekis. Martin and I forget who I was, I guess, Leo. um, It was, you know, I was, my hopes were not high. (laughs) Like I was like, oh man, this is probably not going to end well. And like you said, they won the game. They played their way. They, you know, forced the, the wild to play their style. They won, but that doesn't alleviate a lot of the concerns that we still have. Carrie wrote a nice article today about some of the options they might have for acquiring a player as a third line center. Um, you know, everybody's going to have their, their ideas, uh, to me, that's still the, the spot that would, you know, you get somebody in that spot, other things will kind of shake out, might end up meaning somebody is going to be healthy scratch, but I think they might end up getting an optimal lineup out of that. Um, I do think Barry Trotz is trying to f- <laughs> fill out a lineup card with some mismatched pieces, but, uh, he's been doing that for the better part of the season now. And I mean, I think at some point Lou Morello is going to have to step in and, and do something, but uh, I did find it funny. Uh, uh, evolving Wild is, um, you know, a Twitter account and, and a, a site that uh, is in a, a you know, um, I guess, advanced analytics site that follows the Wild and has been writing about them for a long time. And it's run by these two twins. And uh, th- at one point, they tweeted, I, "I honestly don't get why the Islanders are good." Please, somebody, please explain to me. And you know, there were a lot of funny answers. I, I replied with the aliens guy from the Sci-Fi Channel, you know, or the, the History Channel, because <laughs> nobody really understands. It's it's a kind of a combination of. Of tactics, but also, um, you know, I think this is kind of an old school thing, but I just I really feel like mentally this team is in a place where they think that they can come back and win games. And those two things combined are how they win. And it's kind of weird. You know, you look at that lineup and you're like, come on, how are these guys going to win this game? But they do. They walked out. The Ohio- the Wild had been one of the hottest teams in the league and the Islanders just walked out with two points playing their style of game. And it, it makes you think like mentally there's something there that makes these guys want to play that way um could they be more talented sure but for now this is who they are and you know as long as they're playing their style and everybody's pulling the rope the same way they're gonna win a lot more games and i think that they will get back to it hopefully again we gotta see what happens tuesday but that was a great jumping off
0: point yeah they i think they're just really we've, we've, we've said it like this is a team that's they're hard to game plan against because as predictable as they are that makes them kind of tough tough to to I guess like just make make up X's and O's for it, because the they stay on script and that is just such so hard to do in a game that is played on ice basically you know like the their weird bounces and stuff and the Islanders are just so good at you know or were kind of when they're at their best they're so good at keeping the game on on their you know their terms and uh, they showed it last night and usually when they do that if they do it for a full you know sixty minutes or close to it they'll come out on top and uh, that just makes it really hard I think that. You know, most of these teams now run, um, have have pretty robust analytics departments and scouting departments that are looking for, uh, you know, the data to, to kind of show them what, what, how to beat a team or where, where they're weak or whatever. Uh, it's it's the same, you know, kind of across the, now the whole media or the, the way hockey is covered. So they're probably asking the same questions. Like, how are these guys good? How are they successful? And it's really, really hard. To kind of nitpick it and, and find one thing, like you could, the Toronto Maple Leafs are successful because they have a lot of high end talent and they, they are very good going forward. Like, sure, they they're going to outscore you if you want to get into a running gun with them. The Wild are are very well known for their their structure and def- playing their defensive zone. The Blue Jackets are kind of becoming that team. The Penguins are uh, now, and but the Islanders, like if you parse through it, it none of that stuff kind of reveals itself as it's like a well, one thing that they do really well especially this season like last year was pretty obvious like their defense was and their goaltending was what was driving their success but now it's a it's a little bit uh kind of more of a gray area i think uh sean tierney uh he's on twitter at charting hockey uh tweeted something uh actually just a little while ago about how the islanders average the closest distance um for shots for by forwards and then their defensemen take the furthest shots their second furthest so it's like there's some there's definitely some things uh, that, that is like uh, system-based and coaching-based and, like you said, mental – it's like a mentality that has been drilled into these guys now for, you know, 16 months or however long it's been with trots and uh, that you can't really – you can't – as much as I love to rely on data for, for decisions in like hockey betting markets and stuff, like you, it's a really, really hard thing to call. And when you see someone like those guys who are – so so analytically slanted asking the question uh it just shows you that like that that is an advantage the islanders have it's just like that these teams just can't you can't build a kind of straightforward game plan to to beat a team like that when they're going because when they, the, the downside is when they're not going they don't have any real plan b because their talent is uh wanting their their lack their, their amount of talent so if, if the islanders do get off script and play non-islanders hockey, they uh, they're screwed.
1: Kind of. <laughs> uh, I think, uh, you know, we, we talked about it all last season with, when uh, during free agency that they really were missing that sort of game breaking talent. And I feel like Matt Barzell, named to the all star team today. We'll talk about that a little bit uh, later. I think he's kind of close to being there. Like he had a good game against the Wild. It was he was pretty active. I think he ended up with an assist on the uh, the pull goal. But, uh, you know, he didn't have any points on the board. But, I mean, I feel like he's the closest to coming to being a guy who the Islanders can rely on to get them out of those funks when, again, their their game isn't working. But that kind of remains to be seen. Um, one guy who has a good idea of how the Islanders win is Robin Leonard. Of course, no longer plays for the Islanders. He plays for Chicago, and that's where one of the Islanders' losses came from. They lost 5-2 to the Blackhawks. Um, there was some playful trash talk going on <laughs> between Leonard and his old friends uh, before the game. And it was kind of fun to see. Uh, would have been more fun if the Islanders had won. But there, you know, what are you going to do? Um, Big Ross Johnson scored his goal in the, right off the bat. Uh, it was a nice one. and You thought, oh, OK, maybe this is going to work out. But the Blackhawks scored three straight times. Um, the Islanders just looked very kind of discombobulated in the first period. They looked great in the second. They just couldn't score on Leonard, and like that's kind of what hockey is. You know, you could look great, and if the goalie stands on his head, um, you know that's what it is. And I, I don't, I wouldn't say Leonard actually stood on his head. I, he was very, very good, but I don't know if how many of those saves are really all that difficult. Uh, and then when Jonathan Tave scored early in the third period, you got the sense that this game was kind of over, and I think the Islanders did too because they just kind of stopped playing. Casey Zizek has got a shorthanded goal later on, but um, that was it. Uh, the lineup again was kind of a mess. Um, and Barry Trotz said that he felt his team was looking for an easy game and they didn't get one and they've been looking for easy games for a while and they haven't been getting them. And, uh, I kind of agree with him. It look does look like that. Um, and so, you know, in a vacuum, it probably wasn't the worst, but I mean, optically, you know, to lose to Leonard, a uh, Blackhawks team that is not very good, their record against bad Western conference teams is absolutely terrible this year, which is a real departure from. What it used? To, remember when they used to go out to the Western Conference and it'd be like, man, the, the Islanders kick these guys' asses. It's like, well, why? Why do? How do we get them to move to the Western Conference because they're good out here? Um, those days are over, <laughs> and now teams like Nashville and Chicago uh, are winning against them, and it's not fun. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, did you watch that game? What did you think? I mean, some people were rooting for Leonard. That's a little bit much, but uh, I mean, I'm glad he got the win and everything. But I mean, I really would have preferred the yeah. Islanders win the game.
0: Yeah, they, I mean, it's like a silver linings kind of loss, and. Uh, hmm. I was at, I was driving up to Massachusetts. So I was listening on the radio and, uh, it was hard to, it was kind of hard to, obviously it's always hard to, to kind of get a good understanding for how the game went uh, when you're listening. But that second period, I was just waiting because the, the way Chris King calls the game, it gets so excited in the build up, And I was like, Oh, they're going to score here. Yeah. And then they didn't. And, uh, so it definitely was disappointing, but, uh, the good, the, the good news was like, you, you know, you'd rather like you, you, much rather lose that game like we we'd said last time with the uh the predators or the sharks or whoever like you you give those two points to a team that's not in your division or whatever but obviously it's still a loss and two points that you dropped and the the rest of the division was in the it's in the middle of a of a good stretch so that was the game that afterwards i felt definitely the most uneasy uh about where the islanders were uh since the loss of the hurricanes really uh in Which was like the fourth game of the year, so uh, that was I. I was probably in a pretty sour mood right after that game, just because of like for a second. Out, yeah, I was happy for for Leonard, and I'm happy that he seems to really kind of blossom. He's to have blossomed into this uh, really well liked and respected teammate in in another environment, which is great. And uh, but at the same time, I was like, we've now the Islanders now lost three in a row. It's uh, they're the with the wild game pending, that's like that's not a that's not a gimme at all. There's no gimmies in hockey, but a team like that that's so good defensively, I was I was nervous uh, that I would be uh, driving home from from Massachusetts like really upset that the Islanders were uh, in had their finger over a panic button. But like we said, it's a uh, it's not like that, and thank God uh, for. For, for, for Matt Martin and Leo Komarov somehow.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I still can't get over that goal. It was ridiculous. I just, you know, I, I, when I saw Leo falling down, I was like, oh, here we go. Here's the turnover. And no, oh, he got it to Martin. And I, Martin, the smile on Martin's face told me that he didn't think he was going to score a goal there either. So there you go. But it, it was pretty awesome. Um, yeah, you know, I, I agree with you. Like, it just felt like, you know, the Islanders have, have done a good job of, like, making you feel like they can still come back in games. But yeah, that, that Taves goal was a killer. And then they just really stopped playing. It was very demoralizing. I can imagine Trotz was probably kind of pissed off after that game. Like it's just after that, that score, because they, that third period was not good. You know, it just, yeah, it was four one. And, you know, but I mean, we've seen them get down like that in games and score goal. I mean, we saw them do it in Philly. We saw them do it in Pittsburgh. It's not something you want to do that often, but we've seen them do it, but they weren't doing it in that game. And and it was pretty demoralizing, Um you know, what are you going to do? I mean, I guess the, you got to lose at some point. But uh, that was actually their third straight loss. Uh, the second one, their whole thing, uh, came before that. A game that now feels like it was a, happened a month and a half ago. Uh, was a 3-2 loss to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, Anders Lee scored early. It was one nothing Islanders. Uh, the Blue Jackets tied it on a goal by who else? Nathan Gerby. Now, Nathan Gerby was called up <laughs> from the AHL that morning, and I said he was going to score. He was going to score a hat trick that game, and he got one. So I was a little bit off, but I knew he was going to score. This guy always scores against the Islanders. We're going to have a whole discussion about guys that always score against the friggin' Islanders later on. Um, and Gerby is easily one of those guys. Um, Barzell tied it uh, sort of uh, close to the end of the period. And the Islanders played a good third period. They, they had a good PK but with about four minutes left, this just weak shot, uh, you know, Varlamov makes a save and uh he uh kicks the rebound right out to uh uh Gravrikov. Is that the guy's name? I don't even know his name, first name is. But uh <laughs> I always think he's like um like Marion Gabrick's like non union Russian equivalent, this guy, Gavrokov. And uh it was not a good goal. Like Josh Bailey was kind of standing in place, nothing really happened, nobody picked up this guy. And before you know it, it was three two. And, you know, the Islanders had a bit of a push, but Barzell gave the puck away twice in the last couple of minutes. Uh, one of them coming with an empty net, and it was like they just kind of fell apart in those last couple of minutes. And, again, not characteristic of what this team has been all about. Uh, they were just very sloppy. I mean, they, the will was there, but the, the, the structure was not. And, uh, you know, it was a division game against a team that's not good. They're going to get a lot worse now that their starting goalies hurt. Um, and it just was yep. a real bummer. <laughs> I gotta tell you, it's a real bummer I, to go into you know Christmas break like that. That was on Monday, and uh, it was just like, really, all right, well, whatever. So, um, yeah, not fun. Um, but you know, I guess those things happen. You just kind of wish you'd, you could come back and do something about. it.
0: I was at that game, and uh, it's a, one of my favorite games of the year to go to uh, at the Coliseum. Uh, it's a little different when when they were playing at Barclays during them, but. The game before Christmas, if it's home, everyone's home from school. It's a, always a good crowd, and uh, his, I think Barry Trotz said a well lubricated crowd. I think he said that during the playoffs. Like it's always, it's a good, always a good environment. And then the early goal got it to be even that much better. And uh, yeah, after uh, after that first goal, I, I felt so confident about the game itself, and I was just completely wrong because the blue. I mean, the Blue Jackets are it, it's impressive what they've done. Uh, with the, the roster they have I mean you want to talk about a team that you know, the Islanders haven't lacking anything in tor- terms of like talent behind uh, like their top four or five players like the the Blue Jackets were playing a bunch of guys a, a bunch of them I'm like I don't know who the Stenland guy is I don't know who this guy is they got like I said Gerby's Gerby's playing and and he's a he's an all-star when he's playing the Islanders but like there's, you know when Nathan Gerb when I saw him I'm like there's no I had no idea he was still even in like the universe of the nhl or like <laughs> AHL, whatever but they they make it work because they play a pretty similar style than the islanders like they are they were very just disciplined they kept coming at the, the islanders throughout the game they 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 took advantage of mistakes like that i think two of the goals were were basically clearances that went awry or too cute which seems to be the yeah. the the focal point of trots is uh you know we're we're not making we're not we're making mistakes. I think that those are the ones that he keeps pointing out specifically. And and it's noticeable too. Like you're watching the game it is. and you're seeing like, you know, don't, don't try to make that, that pass out of the zone. Just, just get it out any way you can. Like sometimes that's the, the right play to do. And uh yesterday Adam Pellick did it in a, in a, he just, ice he just yeah. iced the puck, which was real. I was, I was like, thank you for doing that. You know, the puck was just sitting in the <laughs> crease. There was nobody around instead of trying to skate it out and make a play. The team was already tired and Butch Goring made a good point. He's like, you know, that's not a bad play. Ice the puck. You're going to be tired anyways if if you if you you know kept if you just knocked it into the corner like just get it out reset.
1: Yeah, Johnny Boychuk seems to have lost has lost the ability to clear the puck and get it out of the zone effectively, especially lately. And it's I, Butch keeps saying how he feels good and he feels healthy and he's playing you know fully 100 percent for the first time in a long time. And every time he coughs up the puck at the blue line without getting it out, I'm like, oh come on, Johnny, you're killing me. You know, because that's where like like you said, a lot of those goals happen mm-hmm. off those kinds and, of and you could
0: see them coming too, like. And I'm sure this is the same for teams with other fan bases. But when you see it, you're like, you know, you'll see Casey Sazekas' miss of clearance. You're like, oh, God, that's going to end up in the back of the net. And it always seems to happen. Uh, and uh, But yeah. that, that game was uh, – the Islanders should have just been like, watch that the, the Blue Jackets ex, uh, execute that game plan because they got good goaltending. They played very well defensively. They capitalized on mistakes. They countered well. That was exactly what the Islanders should be doing. Uh, and John Tortorella, I mean, yes – he's done a great job with that team and he's ever since he left the Rangers he's, you know, you you start to like people sometimes and he's one of them. Like his, his rant yesterday about (laughs) the review that was, was awesome. Uh, obviously all this goddamn technology. (laughs) (laughs) He, he, he was, he was just great. And I, you, you feel for them a little bit because they're playing so much like they're, they, I think they lead the league in expected goals and they're playing so much better than their record. They just don't have the, the talent, uh, to kind of compete uh, even if they are owning five on five, but, and now they, you know, Corbisala was starting to come on. He played so well in that game. And, uh, and then Elvis Merzlikens of all people drew the ire of, of the, you know, the buttoned up media, because he said he just wants to be left alone. He hasn't won an NHL game. And he's just like, I think, you know, he spoke with Manny legacy, who's the blue jackets, goalie coach somehow. And he, uh, they, they decided that he, he doesn't want to talk to the media until he kind of gets his bearings. I mean, this is, a latvian kid I mean, and he's you know his first year in the nhl and hasn't won a game yet and we're in almost in uh, january and he, if you read the statement it was so reasonable he was just like i just am not going to talk to you guys i want to stay focused and you know and it pissed the media off because you know players have an obligation to talk to people after the game or whatever and uh I mean sure but <laughs> you can't c- c- cut this like 23 or whatever <laughs> however old he is Latvian kid a break yeah, you really. got to you got to make fun of him for not wanting to talk to the media who uh, are going to you know take any word that he says anyways out of context but
1: I mean I, whatever he's going to say I'm sure can be said by literally any one of his teammates just as well you know I mean I'm sure Nick Foligno can say you know, whatever he was going to say. Yeah.
0: I was like, when I saw, I think it was Greg washinsky was like freaking out about it. I was like, who knew that Greg Wachinski really wanted to get inside of the mind of uh, Elvis Merzlikin so badly that he's now enemy number one for not wanting to talk to, to them after or before games. It's just unbelievable. Oh but I mean, I I, I look at the, I was, I was watching that game, watching the Blue Jackets and being like, I miss, I miss this. I miss the, 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 that style of hockey, which is funny because people say it's so boring. But uh, I mean, for the Islanders, like I miss mm-hmm. the Islanders playing that kind of way and uh they looked like it uh i the wild which was it was really nice to have our islanders back
1: yeah it definitely was uh i mean if if you think about it too i mean it's just a matter of time before Mers lickens probably doesn't want to talk to wischinski anyway so i think he was probably feeling that you know there's one guy who i can't <laughs> talk to until he doesn't want to talk to me anymore but oh, oh well he, he just cut that off at the pass. um but yeah it was um yeah it was not a great game and and it was uh a disappointing loss but uh again they, they've come back around and um you know, hopefully, again, they can they can kind of keep this going. Uh, on the other side of the break, we are going to talk about All-Star Games. We're going to talk about guys that have killed the Islanders for a very long time. We're going to look ahead to, uh, I guess, a couple of games on the schedule. And, uh, I don't know, join us then, won't you? <laughs> we'll see you in a minute.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons.
1: Uh, t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, now stickers and patches featuring logos from over 100 classic hockey teams. Long Island Ducks, New York Golden Blades, New York Rovers, the Troy Uncle Sams. I don't know who they are, but that's pretty awesome. The Knoxville Knights. I mean, you you have no idea what, what they have at VintageIceHockey.com. It's run by our friend Kevin Schultz. Uh, you can use the code Lighthouse15 to save 15% off your order. They also hold our Al Arbor T-shirts, and if you use... The code, or you buy a t-shirt, our portion of the sale goes directly to the Center for Dementia Research. So you can get a cool shirt, you can save a few bucks, and you can make a donation that's very worthwhile. You can't go wrong with that. Vintageicehockey.com. The code is Lighthouse15. The T-shirts say Al Arbor on it. (laughs) You can't miss them. They're right there on the front page. Uh, So do it today. Uh, Okay, so um, the All-Star Game nominations came out today. Matt Barzell was the Islanders' uh, sole pick, although, as we mentioned, uh, Eunice corpus who is the uh blue jackets goalie was also picked and he's now out for weeks according to john tortorella so as arthur staple noted on twitter might open up uh a lane for uh Semyon varlamov to make an ap- appearance i don't know it's possible i guess i they'll probably just give it a henry lundquist but at the same time or whatever penguin or whatever who else didn't make it but uh it's possible that uh that varlamov could be in there uh you know barzell is a Obviously, the the chalk pick. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to argue with it. He's awesome at three on three. Uh, people love to see him. I'd love to see him pick certain players' pockets and score goals. He had a great uh, all-star game last year. Uh, you know, would it have been cool to see Anthony Beauvillier or Brock Nelson there? Sure. But they have time, and I think, uh, you know, it'll be fun to watch Barzell do his thing. He's got the hair. He's got the smile. He's got the skills. Uh, totally worthy uh, all-star representation for the Islanders. There you go. That's my speech.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I try not to get too caught up in these things. Uh, the All Star game uh, uh, last year I actually really enjoyed watching Barzell mm. with Crosby and LeTang, Uh but yeah, you know Rick DiPietro ruined the All Star game for me, uh, just just <laughs> like John Tavares ruined the Olympics for me. So you know, I yeah. I, I just
1: oh man, when when I heard that Corpusella went down in the shootout, I just <sighs> all I thought about was DiPietro. Yeah, I'm like, oh my god. At least it happened in a game. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, DiPietro's golly. shootout. Yeah,
0: happened in the All Star game. so What you said to Tim yeah, Tim Thomas, he's like, Timmy, I, I think I you know, up my hip. You gotta go in. In the sh- in the shootout, it was at the shootout like skills contest.
1: I was just, yeah, Marion Gabrick. Oh,
0: so yeah. vintage Rick. But uh Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's it's it's sad that um that's seriously, as soon as I saw the the uh the lineup got announced and and I knew Bar- Barzell was gonna be on there and, and I was just like, Oh man. Oh god that just I just know it's gonna be uneasy for me and I know like the three on three yeah. it's just like there's so much open ice now it's like it's so exhibition airy there's no one's gonna to touch them no mm. nothing like that but it's just like no matter what just those yeah. two instances uh, I I they've, they've ruined those those kind of contests for me but uh yeah I mean there would Beauvillier would have been nice because uh it would have been nice to introduce him to the rest of the to the league and have to hear Mike milberry yeah. realize that you know three Three weeks ago, he said that he, he's got to pick up his pace. Uh, but, uh you
1: know, <laughs> uh, it also would have been a, a great way for Anthony Bovier to introduce himself to actress Anna Kendrick, who he uh, <laughs> clearly wants to meet. According to his Twitter, this whole thing happened. You know, I kind of wanted to write something about it, but uh, I was in some like serious, dire leg pain over the course of the break. And I, at most points were stapled to the couch and even putting a laptop on my legs was not. Uh, optimal but uh, yeah he sent a tweet saying hi at Anna Kendrick and uh, a whole lot of people picked up the ball and started talking about you know in the replies how great he is and this went on for two days (laughs) until Anna Kendrick finally replied and was like thank you all for regaling me with the tales of this man's true heroism and uh, it was kind of funny is it you know was it you know, where her mentions a tire fire for two days? Probably. And we apologize, Anna <laughs> Kendrick, on, on behalf of Islanders fans everywhere. Uh, but it was pretty fun and it was seemed pretty harmless. So it worked out. Whatever happens with Bo, I don't know. But uh, it was a fun – it was weird to see. You know, whenever this happens, it's weird when, like, the Islanders end up on, like, BuzzFeed or, like, page six of the New York Post. Like, yeah, they end up in, a, in the sports page of New York Post all the time. But, like, to see them in the gossip section is like – What's happening right now and uh, fortunately it was a funny story again it was cute it, uh, but you know it was kind of weird they'd to be see a nice that.
0: couple but uh the 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 thing i really the best part of it the best spin off the best uh joey if that was friends and this was joey the best spin off was uh the organist at the the Black Ops game playing playing songs from uh uh what's pitch perfect
1: Troll, yeah pitch perfect and trolls i think too he played some yeah, songs so, too, from is, that yeah
0: I mean, I wish teams would do more. That I've been clamoring for the Islanders for years. To you know, when, whenever a, a guy who comes who comes to to Nassau Coliseum or wherever who has scored a big goal against the Rangers, like Alec Martinez and Adam Henrique, like those guys, I've always wanted them to do tribute videos to those guys uh, <laughs> because they mean a lot to us too. Like it's it, it, we should be you know standing up and acknowledging what they did because uh, they they really you know what what would ruin your life more than you know the New York Rangers winning winning that Eastern conference final or that Stanley cup, like those guys, they, they're Islander heroes, even though they never played for the Islanders and they never scored for the Islanders. So, but I love, mm-hmm. I love stuff as stars used to, the stars used to do it a lot. I don't know if they still do it for, if it, yeah. if it like got old, the novelty maybe wore off, but uh,
1: it's, I, I bet a lot of teams complained. Like yeah. I bet a lot of them probably come, you know, cause which always happens in these situations. Right. So, uh,
0: but yeah. it, cause I remember, uh,
1: yeah, the Islanders have complained about stuff. The Rangers have done. The Rangers have complained about stuff. The Islanders have done. And it, it's probably not worth it, but you're right. It would be fun to see more of that.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, yeah, credit to uh, to the the I don't know the music programmer, whoever it is at, at uh, you know, yeah, <laughs> DJ, the, uh, United Center <laughs> <Yeah>. DJ. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was fun. I mean, it, it's, yeah, I love seeing fun. that uh, the Islanders you know pop up in those. The last time I can remember was when Leo DiCaprio was at the game and he put his hat he put his right. hat over his face.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of fun. And again, you don't expect to see him there. Uh, still waiting for uh, Paul Bettany, Brooklyn, Brooklyn uh, uh, resident, Paul Bettany and his wife, Jennifer Connolly. Still waiting for them to make that switch over from the Rangers to the Islanders. I guess that's probably not going to happen now with them moving back to the Island. But you never know. I, I I really just, I want an Avenger at an Islanders game. That would be my... My ideal thing—I'll take any Avengers. Paul seriously, Bettany, anybody. Uh, Just if you're—if you are in a Marvel movie and you want to show up there, Sebastian Stan, who plays Bucky, Winter Soldier, he went to school at Rutgers, so you Paul know. Paul Bettany,
0: uh, I, I love from anyway. the movie <laughs> Wimbledon, the tennis movie. Yeah. What what a oh, yeah. what a guy and uh, yeah. a nightstep yeah. yeah
1: yeah Paul Bettany great in everything.
0: <laughs> yeah, he looks. Yeah, he's. That's too bad. He's yeah. a major fan. He, I feel like I feel like he's he he's on better.
1: the um. This happens to a lot of actors, like Liam Neeson and Margot Robbie. Like they they move to New York and they live in New York as they're actors, and right. you know they got a lot of work there. And then just end up going to Rangers games, and they end up becoming fans. And it's like, man, I want Liam Neeson to watch my team play. Like it's
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. We need Kevin Kevin Connolly and Ralph Macchio should be like how how come the entire cast of My Cousin Vinny hasn't been out yeah, to the Coliseum for a game? You know?
1: you know what I found out today. Uh, hopefully this wasn't old, but Ralph Macchio right now is five years older. Than Pat Morita was when he played Mr. Miyagi, like isn't that weird? Wow. Yeah. (laughs) So, there you go. And my wife, I told my wife that, and she's like, "Mr. Miyagi was only like fifty something years old when he (laughs) that movie." I'm like, "Yeah, but Pat Morita looked like that when he was on Happy Days, like you know, twenty years before the Karate Kid." So anyway, but I just said that was a weird thing. Um, Okay, so (laughs) um, here's a, a, and so you tweeted this thing, and I want to bring this up because this is great. Uh, It's an all star team of kind of a different stripe. Um, Again, it's the end of the decade. Lots of fun lists are happening. And you put out this thing that is brilliant. And I wish I had thought about it myself. This is you call this perfectly the all this guy killed the Islanders team of the decade. So this is guys that have killed the Islanders for the last 10 years. And I don't have a quibble with a lot of these guys. So we won't go through everybody because some of them are obvious, but we'll start with with a couple of the, the forwards, the first two forward lines here, and then I'll throw it to you and you can kind of give your reasoning. Although, again, come, some of them are pretty obvious. Um, Alex, so, so Sidney Crosby, first line center, obviously, has killed the Islanders his entire career. He could go into the Hall of Fame with just his Islanders numbers, just like Mario and just like Yager before him. It's a Penguin tradition. It's annoying. Uh, Alex Ovechkin, same thing, kills a lot of teams. Seems like he kills the Islanders a lot. Uh, on that one side. And then you see Jokinen on the other side, which is an interesting pick. Why Jokinen in this case? I don't remember what his, you know, is there something that stands out to you that, that makes you think that he was an Islander killer?
0: I seriously, so I really put a lot of thought into it, but I didn't put a lot of research into this (laughs) at all. Like I just tried to like (laughs) close my eyes and imagine the Islanders losing and there's just so much film role Mm. that I just see Yussi Jokinen in his Penguins uniform and his Panthers uniform, just like near the front of the net, scoring a goal, like a dirty goal, and and celebrating and being like, I always wanted Yussi Jokinen to be on the Islanders. So I don't know. I really, honestly, would have to look. So people were, you know, tweeting at me a lot about like other people, and I, and I had a guy that we we're going to talk about who uh, you had brought up, um, Ryan Malone. I had him penciled in where Jeff Skinner was, and then I re- and then I thought like, oh, I didn't really remember if Malone was pre-2010 or not and uh and the thing that kept popping in my mind somebody had brought up to in 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 the replies was he had scored a hat trick against the islanders when he scored a goal in the first minute of all three periods and that was the the kind of highlight that was kind of rolling through my head and I think that was uh this decade so he was I mean that was a snub and I made a mistake by not including him so he probably could fill in for uh Hmm. for Jokinen or, or Skinner but for some reason I just always yeah, yeah, he really Malone was. And was the I guy. just, yeah. I just, for some reason, I feel like uh, Jokinen and, and Malone. Uh, I mean, Malone played for the Penguins and the Rangers and uh, the Lightning. So, like teams that we've had trouble with. Jokinen's played for played for the Penguins and uh, he played for the Panthers, Lightning, no Panthers. Hurricanes, right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah I mean,
1: Hurricanes, I think too. Right, and
0: then uh, yeah. you know when you go further and go further down the list, there's uh, the aforementioned Nathan Gerby, who. I was sitting, when I was watching, I was at the game and I was sitting there watching him. I'm like, that was kind of what sparked this idea. You know, I was kind of going through my head. And the next person after Gurby mm. that came to my mind is his, the fellow, his fellow wing on either side of Nicholas Backstrom, uh, Scott Hartnell, who I always feel like just, just was, even if he didn't have the numbers, like he was just so annoying to play against. He was always in front of the net. Um, and uh, Backstrom is, you know, kind of like Crosby, you know, Vetch going to just speak, the volume and the skill just is going to lend itself. Um, and then the the third line was uh, another former hurricane, a guy who I feel like scored you know forty goals in his n h l career and thirty seven of them came against the islanders Yuri Talutsi, who was like, "Yeah, God, that guy just never didn't yeah. score against us then and-
1: yeah." I was gonna say I, I feel like I don't yeah. remember ever seeing him score against another team, but then he would always get two goals against the Islanders, and it's like why?
0: <laughs> and I think I think Howie Rose or would be like here's Yuri Talutsly, and if you don't know about Yuri Talutsly, <laughs> let me tell you, he's gonna score tonight. And <laughs> it is a very sardonic yeah. sense of humor, and uh, he he was on he was there with Eric Stahl and Jeff Skinner, who I think I think Jeff Skinner scores against the Islanders a lot. I really don't know. Uh, and then the fourth line was Thomas Fleischman, Travis Zajac, and Chris Kunitz. And Kunitz, you couldn't talk me yeah. out of keeping him. He, he, he I hate him. And, uh, yeah. and Zajac, I think Zajac was probably a weak, weak pick, but Fleischman, uh, I know Fleischman definitely scored a lot against the Islanders because... I wouldn't have ever heard of him if
1: you didn't. That's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Was Thomas Fleischman? I was like, wow, really? And it made me want to go look. I, I probably should have. Kunitz definitely. I mean, again, you don't need numbers to know that. But uh, there's a lot of penguins on this list. I think there's a reason for that. <laughs> like, the, you know, there was a, a lot of <laughs> yes. times over the last decade, the Penguins have been good, and the Islanders have been not so good. And so <laughs> that's that's going to happen. You know, again, you can't you can't really argue against like Ovechkin and Backstrom. They do score against a lot of other people, but Backstrom. You know, the funny thing about Backstrom is that. He feels like he scores a lot against the Islanders, but like it's it's the kind of thing where like you'll look at the end of a game and you'll be like, he had three assists in this game against the Islanders. Okay. Like you just, he's not the kind of guy who like scores. He's sort of like highlight real goals or, you know, seems to take like a perverse pleasure in torturing the Islanders. It's just he's always end up on the score sheet, you know, and he's a very yeah, quiet he's, guy. He's
0: you know. awesome. Yeah, he he's, really is. Uh, I was watching, I don't know who they were playing the other night on uh, national TV or something, but he and Ovechkin. Were both like around nine hundred games in their career, whatever it is, and um, they'd played, they hadn't played with each other in only nine games over their NHL career. <laughs> so it's like you know, oh. it's if, if yeah. Ovechkin's oh, going to be on there, it's uh, Backstrom's probably the one feeding him, and uh, it's know, almost scored, like
1: the Sedin's, yeah, you know? exactly. like one gets it and the other guy gets it, you
0: know. The, uh, <laughs> and I remember him scoring; he scored a really annoying goal against the Islanders in uh that playoff series, just like a mm. floater, and it was and. You saw him, and I was—I was, you know—at that point sneaking into games, and I was like standing all the way at the back of the the goal the Islanders would be shooting at. So this happened at the other end of the ice, and you saw him just take the puck at the blue line. He had a little bit of time, and he just floated one through so much traffic, and you—you he, he just knew that he—he he knew that Yara Halak or whoever I think it was Halak gave yeah, him a goal that he just had no chance at seeing that puck and it just went like picture perfect top corner. And that was a game winning goal. I think it was an overtime.
1: It might've been. Yeah, it might've been. Uh, I I kind of vaguely remember that, but again, he's he's just always there. You know, he's just a good player who is very quiet. He's like a shark, you know, he just shows up and before you know, you're eating. It's like, Oh geez, what happened there? Um, My thing, my reply to you was basically, I I don't really feel like Jack is a guy who kills the Islanders. Again, I might be wrong. I don't really get that vibe from him. Me to me, the, the fourth line guy in all he kills the Islanders decade team list has to be Tyler Ennis this guy is an all-star whenever he plays against the Islanders he's like five foot nothing and all he does is score goals against Islanders no matter where he plays he plays for Ottawa he plays for Buffalo he plays for the where was he he was Columbus I think too he's just oh yeah he's always around and he always scores and I just hate (laughs) this guy so much and I think the thing I hate about him the most Gerby too probably falls into the same category is you want him on your team like I think to be honest like you know, we talk about you know, J.G. Pajot or, you know, some uh, uh Kerry was talking about Vlad Domestikov in his article today about, you know, guys you might be able to get from the Senators not going anywhere. You might be having sell off to me. I mean, I think Tyler Ennis actually makes a lot of sense for the Islanders and at least he wouldn't be scoring against you. But, you know, he's just this little water bug center that you just can't. Nobody can ever stop him. No matter who plays for the Islanders, they can't stop this guy. And I hate that. But at the same time, man, he would be awesome to have on the Islanders. Cause I think he would be really helpful and they don't really have too many people like that, you know? Well, I guess they do. They have Beauvillier and, and, you know, Sezikis, but yeah, add another one, you know, why yeah. not? So no, he would, that to me was the most glaring omission in the whole thing. Yeah.
0: He's, he definitely deserves a spot. I, uh, there were a lot, I mean, if going through the defense, like Dan Girardi, you can't talk me off. I feel like Dan Girardi scored, oh, no, he scored 12 absolutely. goals yeah. in his career and 10 of them <laughs> came against the Islanders, yeah. mostly in overtime. Like what is he even doing on the ice in overtime? And he ends up scoring. No, uh, yeah and then the <laughs> Sergei. i this is goes back to the penguins thing a little bit like sergey gonchar he played for the some really good teams with the senators and the, the penguins or whatever and i just always picture him at like on a power play lining up for one timer and just in my head being like oh that's a goal uh and, and then mm. mike green capital guy which
1: mike yeah, green definitely yeah
0: really good power play court
1: yeah. even now even where he's like you know 45 percent of mike green playing for one of the worst teams in the league. He still scares me when he's got the... <laughs> Chara.
0: I, I don't know what his numbers are look like against the Islanders, but whatever. Hate him. Hate playing against him.
1: I feel like he's gotten into a lot of fights with the Islanders. Like, that no, might be so wrong, too. but I feel like he's yeah. fought
0: a lot of Islanders. And then uh, the other two, I I don't know why Andre Markov popped in my head, but he did it. Matt Niskanen. I probably missed... Like I was thinking about Chris Pronger, but he had played so little in this decade, but he always killed the Islanders yeah. whenever he played against them.
1: Um, Defenseman that jumped out at me were uh uh Ratko Gudis he he was a uh, he was a guy
0: who I had like Malone I had written him out and deleted him
1: (laughs) yeah I would say him but again that I think that was more you know against Tavares but also he kind of does that to everybody everybody kind of hates that guy and uh and Chris Letang I would say too but I would maybe swap him out for Gonchar but yeah
0: Letang yeah Letang was definitely someone that I felt maybe right yeah Penguin heavy or something and and then I, I had met in because, you know, he played for yeah. the Penguins and the Caps. I mean, really I anybody
1: played on the Penguins over the last like five years, especially. Like you could put Brooks Orpic on there and I totally believe you like, you know, yeah, sure.
0: Yeah, he was – someone had mentioned him <laughs> yeah. and they were right. Yeah, he was definitely someone that should have been uh, – it, it just goes to show you this. You can't just fit them all into <laughs> one because you need to balance it with like some guys like right. the Gerbys and the Fleischmans who – and the Tlutzlis. Like like these guys aren't – they You can't all be stars or whatever, but – uh, the, the goaltenders were the hardest right. to pick because I was like, "Oh yeah. my god!" Like Craig Anderson came to mind a lot. Uh, I feel like the Islanders never, and then someone mentioned Cam yeah. Ward, and I was I was really mad at myself <laughs> for not remembering the Cam Ward, the worst goalie of the decade, <laughs> was amazing against Islanders. That is one hundred percent true. But yeah. uh, I had Carey, I Price and former Islander Tim Thomas on the yeah. list. So
1: no, you can't go wrong with those Price probably wrong. Uh, for sure. Yeah, Ward. Probably I would have went Ward over Thomas. I just had somebody else in my head, and I can't think of who it is now. But he was somebody that just wasn't good, and yet the the Islanders couldn't seem to never beat him. And now I can't remember who it was, and it's gonna drive me absolutely bonkers now. But
0: uh, yeah, Cam- Brian Elliott popped into my head. Yeah, I don't know if that's who you're thinking of. No, nah, there, was... there, there were there were some guys that like, yeah, just like how, <laughs> <laughs> um, it but, was tough.
1: Yeah, I would have to go with uh, I would have to go with Cam Ward in that spot. I think along with Price. Yeah. Price is definitely, definitely. for sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was that, yeah, for whatever reason, Cam Ward was like literally falling apart for 10 years and the Islanders just couldn't, couldn't solve him no matter what. It was really good. Somebody also mentioned Ben Bishop down there, which I also think yeah, makes but, a lot of yeah. sense too. Yeah. Um, Bishop but, and, uh,
0: and, uh there, I had a Leafs fan in get in there and ask why I didn't have Darcy Tucker and Shane Corson and Gary Roberts on yeah. this, which was fun. <laughs> like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, it was fun. It was like, it was fun just to see because your, your, um, fandom is no matter what, like we're all fans of the Islanders, but everyone's looks at it like a little bit differently. Like there are people who still Mm. hate Josh Bailey and Brock Nelson. Like that's, Mm. that's their, that's their version of being a fan. And it's, it stinks, but whatever. And so it's just fun to see like people, someone mentioned like Danny DeKaiser, who (laughs) I, I can't think of him ever killing the Islanders, but like to this person, like that's, he he or she hates yeah. dandy to kaiser which is great like that's cool yeah um
1: yeah. the uh again i forgot to mention up top like the replies are, are really good and some people make really strong cases for guys that <laughs> that we have we both forgot you know and so yeah that makes sense um but uh it's it's kind of funny uh my friend kurt who's a, a one of the bloggers for uh broad street hockey was kind of talking and i forget. i think that the um the flyers gave up Two first NHL goals in the same game this week. I forget who they were on the California swing. So I forget what what team they were playing. I think it might have been the Ducks and two guys scored their first NHL goals in that same game. And it started this whole conversation of like, man, these guys, this always happens against the Flyers. And Kurt was like, everybody thinks that their team is the team that always gives up the first goals, give the first wins, the first shutouts, all that stuff. And he's right. Like, we all think that. But it's really not the case. But so, yeah, you know, one guy's is Islander killer is another guy's like, nah, he didn't really do all that much. So um, yeah, it's, but it's uh, so yeah, it's it's fun.
0: That that conversation actually was going on, too. And a couple like a couple of days ago, I think cause, yeah, someone like, had, you know, tweeted like first you forgot anybody who scored their first Islander goal. And someone someone who like has, has a stats account, I got I should pull it up because it was funny. He, he like he put the uh, the actual uh, kind of count of. People, teams that do, and and it was comforting to see the Islanders were second on that list. So I think it was like I think Senators might have been first, and uh, then it was the Islanders. Wait, what, it was like, what list was this? Like the list of first goals scored against your team, like who's given up the most? And, oh, oh, okay. Uh, I I had, you know this I gotta find it because uh, you know he deserves the credit for for the stat, but um, it was it, here it is here's a list and it's uh it's from morehockeystats.com so the senators 88 jersey 81 islanders 79 capitals then the penguins coyotes so the flyers are all the way down in second to last or really last because the knights are the fewest so yeah the the flyers <laughs> are just being a little woe is me right now but yeah it's uh it's from morehockeystats.com <laughs> and it's yeah. Uh, yeah so the islanders have given up 79 i don't That's know funny. if that includes um who's at Highmore, whoever scored his first goal against the Islanders for the Blackhawks. Oh, it
1: was, uh, no, it was Gilbert, Dennis Gilbert. Gilbert. Yes. Gilbert. Yeah. Right. Um, Oh, Matt Zuccarello. That's who I wanted to mention. Yeah. He
0: for. was, <laughs> I had him, I had him, yeah. I had him down too. And I,
1: yeah. So it's weird that there's only one ranger on the list, but yeah, yeah, I no. will put him in there too. But, uh, yeah, no, it's fun. Uh, that, that's a cool stat. I hadn't realized that, but yeah, everybody, I know Habs fans get crazy. Like it always feels like the guy f- scores his first goal here and, You know, everybody thinks that, but it's it's, unless you're a Senators fan, I guess it really isn't true. So there you go. Good to know. (laughs) Um, So, uh, yeah, um, the Islanders' schedule in January is quite a beast. Uh, We should probably talk about this in another podcast because it's a little bit crazy. The good news is they play – they don't play that many games. The bad news is they play a lot of really good teams. Uh, They play the Leafs uh, on – January 4th, which, if you've been listening, you would know, is the Isles Buzz live podcast at the Offside Tavern. Festivities start at 5.30. I'm going to be there. Joe from PT Isles is going to be there. Come on down. We'll talk. We'll have a lot of fun. Um, I don't know what condition my leg will be in and how long I'll stay, but <laughs> I will definitely be there, and uh, we'll have a good time. And uh Nolan Dan obviously will be there. I was at their last live podcast. It was a lot of fun. So that's 5.30, Offside Tavern, Saturday, January 4th. Come on down, and then you could stay and watch the Islanders take on the Leafs. Uh should be a good time, should be pretty raucous. Last game we watched there was lost to Detroit, so hopefully this turns out a little bit better. Um, but yeah, this they, so they play the Leafs, then they follow that up with um back-to-backs against the Avalanche and Devils. They play the Bruins again, then they have another back-to-back against the Rangers and Red Wings. You know, like a winnable game, you know, fit in with another bad game. They have another back-to-back against the Caps and Hurricanes. That is absolutely torturous. Um, yeah, this is going to be a whole thing. So we'll talk about this (laughs) next time. I'm not not mentally prepared to talk about this. Uh, I will say though, um, as I was thinking of, of MVP of all-star participants before, uh, I did the, uh, today's, um, he was an Islander immediately came to me and he's a guy that a lot of people remember. So it's not so much like we all forgot how he existed or forgot that he was in the all-star game. Uh, but I just have a whole bunch of facts about this guy that I found pretty interesting. So it's Scott LaChance. Uh, who was an Islander for many, many years, defenseman. Uh, He was their representative in the 1997 All-Star Game. Yes, 1997 All-Star Game. Scott LaChance was the Islanders pick. I mean, it was pretty wild. He was not a high-scoring guy. He was not a flashy guy. But, you know, he got to play an All-Star Game. So there you go. Uh, Here are some fun Scott LaChance facts. So 450 games with the Islanders, scored 26 goals, 79 assists for 105 points. It's not too bad. Again, not an offensive guy. He played 138 games with the Columbus Blue Jackets in the last two seasons of his career. Zero goals. How about that? Zero goals in, in two full in 138 games. That's a lot. Uh no goals, five assists. Uh that's pretty remarkable. He also played 157 games with the Canucks, which I had completely forgotten it was that long. He I didn't realize he spent two seasons out there. Four goals, 21 assists. Um, but he did get into eight playoff games with the Canucks over the course of two seasons, and he had one goal and two assists in those eight games. So in eight playoff games with the Canucks, he actually outscored his goal output for his 130-odd games Scott with LeChance. the Columbus Jackets. You still so see, a, I find that kind you'll of see
0: the Scott LaChance jersey now and yes. then, the, like the old uh, royal blue with the smaller mm-hmm. logo. Um, I mean,
1: he was an Islander yeah. for eight years. Like That's a long he was,
0: time. He was a pretty <laughs> high draft pick, right? Wasn't he –
1: he was oh that's a good one yeah that's another fact I had here fourth yeah. overall first round 1991 draft was
0: he was picked as, I, I mean it might be a sore subject but I feel like I believe that was the Lindros yeah,
1: yeah. so that was Lindros Pat falloon Scott niedermeyer Scott LaChance uh drafted two player two players down yeah. Peter Forsberg <laughs> drafted a few players down from that Mark Tan Lapointe uh Brian Rolston Alexei Kovalev, Marcus Naslund. Yeah, he would have been fun to have, right? Marcus Naslund, he was a hell of a player. Um, a whole bunch of guys. Glenn Murray, oh, Ray Whitney. Oh, and Ziggy Palfine in the second round. So there you go.
0: You want to talk about guys who killed the Islanders in previous decades. Did they ever play Ray Whitney and not give up a goal? Maybe, I don't know. But I feel like he was always the wizard, <laughs> yeah, right? the wizard, I feel like always scored against the Islanders. Uh I, mean, oh, I feel for like sure. everyone you for just sure. mentioned there scored against or killed the Islanders Brian mm-hmm. Ralston in a different way, but the, right. the rest of the game, <laughs> kovalev for sure Yeah,
1: kovalev, kovalev for sure and forsberg yeah. absolutely for sure so, uh, but
0: Scott yeah, so chance.
1: so there you go i mean i guess you know Scott chance definitely not peter forsberg but he was also better than uh pat peak yeah. <laughs> who the caps took in that same round or nicholas sunblad who i've never heard of before uh in looking at this list so there you go oh demon demon Cabin, last oh, wow. pick in the first round there who
0: Island, for yeah. a little while there. That, I so. mean, talk about it. He was an Islander. That trade was hysterical. they when they traded, they got a first round pick for Chris Campoli, and for some reason, Dean McAmmond had to had to come play for that team and not go to the playoffs with the Senators. That poor guy.
1: Also taken in that first round, actually, right after Forsberg at seventh overall by the Canucks, Alex Stojanov, who you may remember got traded straight up for Marcus Nasland. and uh, we've all heard of Marcus Naslund. He's one of the great Canucks of all time. Alex Stojanov. Not good play. Uh, 107 games, two goals, five assists. Uh, that's for Alex Sto- Sto- Stojanov or Stojanov. I, I don't know. But uh, Mark Mark Snazland, 1,117 games, 395 goals, 474 assists. Great player who was traded straight up for uh, a nobody. There you go. So it happens to everybody.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's always nice to remind yourself of that. Even even when it's like across sports, I'm just like, oh, yeah, thank you God. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, the Herschel Walker trait comes <laughs> up and you're like, nah, that could happen. There you go. It, it happens to everybody. Uh, so there you go. Uh, all right. Well, um, thanks again for joining us. Isles buzz, uh, live podcast, uh, the Offside tavern, January 4th, five 30, get there, have some fun. Should be a good time. Dan and all will be there. I'll be there. Joe uh, from PT Isles will be there. So have fun. Five 30, January 4th Offside tavern. Uh, there is still, Uh, We're still looking for calls for my favorite Islanders game. Uh, That's tentatively going to go up on the next episode will be January 20th. Uh, There is still time to call. There is always time to call because the lines are always open. The number is 646-980-8857. I got people calling twice. I got people calling multiple times. If you haven't called once yet, please pick up the phone and call and tell me about your favorite Islanders game because I want to hear it. 646-980-8857. PTI has already came out. Joe talked about uh, the games and uh, some uh, the, the bow Beau, the Beauvillier Kendrick thing. It was kind of fun. You should check that out if you haven't already. Uh, you should read Lighthouse Hockey every day for your most up to date Islanders news and discussion. You should have a great, happy, healthy, exciting, wonderful New Year, and uh, yeah, we'll be back at some point, I guess <laughs> after after the New Year. I'll right? we'll have to figure it out.
0: Yeah, the uh, the schedule gets packed, but we'll uh, we'll be here, and hopefully, uh, it is a it's a good year, a good decade. Hopefully, there's a lot of less people to. To debate about whether or not they killed the Islanders, um,
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I, I think I'll make a oh. prediction for the next, which we'll all hold, you can all hold me to for the next ten years. That the the guy that we're going to remember for uh, for killing the, killing the Islanders is like oh, I hate that guy. He's yeah, Travis. Konechny, I could get I could see I that. Hate him. Yeah,
1: there's a lot of flyers on that list. They they play that style. It's just really annoying. <laughs> uh, and it's uh, yeah, I could see that. Um, Couturier too. I would probably put on that list too. Uh, just even when he doesn't yeah. score, like you were saying before, it's just like, man, you can't get away from this guy. Jeez. It's just, he's, he's yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah.
0: He looks like Alex Ovechkin a little bit. Like yeah. if they kind of like swapped hair colors, you'd be like, <laughs> yeah. it's like the Blake Como thing we talked about with how he looks like bald Sidney Crosby, <laughs> like Ovechkin and Couturier for some reason look similar. That's
1: pretty funny. Yeah. Oh, well, Ovechkin, he's got that gray, you know, I don't know, Beatles haircut going on now. It's very odd. He looks, he's, he's I like Ron him. Francis or Brett Favre. Like. This guy doesn't look, he shouldn't look this old, but he looks old, you know, but he's, I mean, he's still good. Obviously it's not like, yep. you know, it's, it's just him. It's just his hair color, but still, he looks a lot older than I think he, he's supposed to be. But, uh, but yeah, the, uh, the next month is packed I mean, it's basically a, a mini playoff series with the Rangers. They play the frigging Rangers three times that same month, which is going to be a bloodbath. Uh, but you know, again, if they can make some hay, they can find their form that they found in Minnesota uh, I think they'll be okay, and yeah, you know maybe uh, maybe Lou pulls out a little bit of uh, you know New Year's uh, a new a new year New Year's baby he pulls out uh, and gives <laughs> to the Islanders uh, in uh, in due time. So tell everybody your Twitter handle. It's the Big Lebowski with two E's. Follow Mike at the Big Lebowski with two E's, uh, and you know what? Find that tweet, and if you thought if you could think of somebody else that's been killing the Islanders for a decade throw it in there because there's probably a lot more that we're totally forgot. So it's, it's, this is a thing that can go on for a long time. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at culture of losing. You can follow Anna Kendrick at a Kendrick seven forty seven. I believe <laughs> <laughs> I think that's her, t- her Twitter handle. Be nice. If you do follow her, please be nice. She seems like a very nice person. And uh, my, I've seen trolls a million times as my daughter loves it. So, you know, she seems pretty cool, but uh, thanks for listening and uh, have a happy new year and we'll talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye.